0: You're an emotional fucking podcast. Your podcast is dog shit. Every single fucking thing about your podcast is ugly. Bat Santa is coming up next.
1: Haven't Seen It with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello everybody. Welcome on in and a merry ho 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 to you. Uh Tommy, uh, welcome on in as we have watched Bad Santa. Tommy, I feel like you've been dying to do this one since we started the podcast. Because we started the podcast two years ago now.
0: Yeah, we started a um, podcast around this time two years ago, and we were throwing around Christmas movies that like neither of us have seen. And like <laughs> I was just like really Googling Christmas movies. I was like, huh. Ah. You know, I never seen Bad Santa, and uh, you are like, "Oh no, we're not doing fucking Bad Santa." Through to Home Alone two and Scrooge. Scrooge.
1: Yeah, this is in the Scrooge tier of Christmas movies, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you are not. I, I like this one. Were you kind of mid on it, or? Uh,
1: by the yeah, t- uh, we'll get into it more. Um, the beginning is so bleak, man. Yeah, <laughs> the beginning of that makes you like question life itself and you're just like oh my god like it's funny at points there's some funny lines in this one but oh man is willie a a hard character to root for
0: yeah oh seriously (laughs) it's it's pretty fucking brutal
1: it's it's like brutal like like a screenwriting 101 is usually like don't make your character completely unlikable and they just went all in on making him unlikable um but we will die, dive into that more in just a couple yeah. of minutes here. Uh, Tommy, uh, I kind of want to kick off what have we seen lately? Because I did mention on our last one, because we, we had our guests from the uh, from the Film Trace podcast. If you haven't checked that out with Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, go ahead and listen to it. Um, but with that one, I I mentioned that I saw Napoleon. Yeah. And just said I didn't really care for it. Um and I but we, that, <laughs> that section was going on way too long as it was so I just kind of left it at that. Now, now you need to expand the, How much you fucking hate this movie? I I, 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 didn't, <laughs> I didn't I didn't hate it. Okay. It, it kind of similar to Bad Santa. It took like it took a while for Napoleon to get its like footing in the door. Mm-hmm. And Napoleon's an interesting historical figure in and of itself because he's not like particularly likable. Um, but, you know, Napoleon in the historical feature, he was Corsilian royalty. So it's like an Island off of like the coast of Italy in the Mediterranean. So he was viewed as like lower royalty in France and had to like really work hard to like build his grounding up, um, Mm -hmm. and kind of got the people on his sides that way. And I feel like that was the big thing for me in that first act that the peep, that was missing. Cause like the whole thing was about him and Josephine's relationship, which huge part of Napoleon's story, without question, uh, his relationship with, with Josephine. But I like the I, and like kind of true to it, they didn't really have that much chemistry at the beginning of it. It was kind of like typical courting awkward and and shit yeah Yeah, and and it was just it felt awkward and i think that was the intention of it but i i I needed something to like make napoleon um more likable like once he puts the crown on his head like the movie kind of kicks into a much better year and i enjoyed it more from that point on but that was like 45 minutes in and it's two, and a so half hour- would, and it's two would, and a half hours long. And when you're, was this
0: a case of like, uh, like you probably should have cut down some like fucking footage right here because like some we talked about Curves of Flower Moon* earlier this year, and like I didn't care. I, I the uh, what's it called? Uh, Runtime did not affect me whatsoever. I felt fine, but like I feel like with the play. I I think this one it
1: needed more. It probably needs like the director's cut will probably be better than the than the That's a really Scott
0: typical fucking thing, like Kingdom of Heaven. Blade Runner. He always is like, Oh, let me go to the
1: director's cut. (laughs) Well, Blade Runner is a weird one. That one took like four director's cuts to, to get right. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I just really didn't care for the first act at all. And it just like bugged me i mean the battle scenes are really cool like the costumes and production was like fantastic um where, where would it did, rank
0: on your overall ridley ranking like in, in the middle you'd say or so bottom? Mid,
1: middle middle bottom I, i'd probably give it like a two two and a half out of five like uh yeah. kind of your run-of-the-mill movie like nothing yeah. too special <laughs> for me um yeah like, honestly, not even enough for me to want to watch, like, an extra hour of the movie added on. Like, I, I didn't
0: think... <laughs> you're, you're good on the Apple Plus, whatever it is, uh, like, extended cut.
1: Like, I want to watch the four-hour cut of Killers of the Flower Moon, but I don't have any interest in the three-and-a-half-hour cut of Napoleon. I just, I don't have that one in me, I don't think. <laughs> um, You know, the battle sequences were great, Um, and the movie does pick steam once he becomes, like, Emperor of France, but it really the Napoleon story is so big as it is, and it just it jumps around so much. Um, and like I know a little bit about the history, not a ton, but I know a little bit about it. And if I don't know, like I feel like a Napoleon, like you would need like a Napoleon trilogy to like. Oh, you actually... are you one of those like you need to be historically accurate, no, no, Mister no, Scott? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like I think the I think the depth of the subject like would just require more films if that makes sense like it would have needed at least two parts maybe even three to kind of cover his whole story to the level of detail that you could absolutely do in a film and I just think this one it just kind of too many time jumps in there with you not really know what's going on um yeah I just I didn't really care for Napoleon and I just uh little disappointed because i was excited for it coming out and i knew the reviews were mixed and i held reserved judgment until i saw it and i just like the first act really like i always say a movie can lose you a little bit in the second act as long as it pulls its its weight in the third act like the but, beginning and the end of the movie the most important parts. like you can lose me a little bit there in the middle um but in the beginning yeah that's just brutal like you it gotta was... hook me you gotta hook me in so that way I, like, inevitably get a little bit disinter- disinterested in your story if it's just a little messy in the middle. Um, mm. And, yeah, I just felt like Napoleon didn't have that.
0: Yeah, I- I've heard just mid-things mid, mid things about it, to say at least. Uh,
1: what about you, Tommy? What have you watched <laughs>
0: this week? Um... So, yeah, this over the weekend, uh, I want to shout again, the people from Connecticut Cold Classics. Uh, they did a triple feature of three Italian movies by Lucio Fulci. Um, it was City of Living Living and House by the Cemetery. And I can uh, say that I was awake for two out of three of them because the third one started at 10 p.m. I passed out immediately.
1: <laughs> why, what, let me ask you: at this point in your life, why are you booking up triple features where you know you're wasting money and you oh, know well, you're going to fall asleep? During well, well,
0: well, I was there. I was there for I, I, I made it all the way through for the double feature. Uh, I got uh, watched both of the movies, uh, Beyond and City of Living Dead were the first two movies, and uh, made it through both of them. Beyond is amazing. Uh, the Titan Hard movies in general just have just like a great, just like. Visual palette to it and just like very haunting, like nightmarish imagery. Whereas the acting and everything else in those movies are just like, yeah, whatever, but the effects and just it's a visual onslaught, I feel like, especially that era. um But by the time you get to 10 30 at night and then you're know, watching a movie, and, you know, and for me personally, I just, I drank some coffee, did not help.
1: Uh, I, I don't, yeah, I don't understand you, man. Like if I drink <laughs> a coffee past two o'clock in the afternoon on wire all night, um, mm-hmm and you're just like yeah i had a coffee at nine o'clock and i still couldn't even stay awake i'm like god bless your caffeine tolerance because i just i couldn't do that yeah even if i wanted to uh so you enjoyed two out of the three and the third's kind of like a tbd because you just didn't watch any of it (laughs) i
0: i I read it on letterboxd but even my letterboxd review i opened up saying just like yeah, I was like passed out for like 90% of this movie. I'm so, really uh, glad
1: you left a review. That was very helpful for people I, I, who wanted I, to maybe watch it or not. Well, I slept through yeah. 90% of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I give I a middle give a little back review. I was like, uh, what I saw, so I liked.
1: <laughs> the 10% of it I really enjoyed. Uh, it's, <laughs> exactly. The 10% of it I caught. I just, I love. I, actually, maybe my favorite movie. yet. Maybe my favorite 10% of a movie I've ever seen. Could be, yeah. Got to see how the other half is. <laughs> Got to see how the other ninety percent is. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed your film festival, Tommy. Um, and now we cover maybe Tommy's most anticipated movies ever put up suggested to this podcast. Since First it's time been two years since it's been two years of him suggesting it. Like he, he suggested it last holiday season. Don't don't you get me wrong. It's I, I knew it was coming. I knew he was going to be like. Yeah. Bad Santa the, the... this year, and we just couldn't work out It's a Wonderful Life redux. So now we're doing Bad Santa. <laughs> the exact this... opposite kind of movie. <laughs> They're very similar. Yeah. This is Bad Santa. This holiday season, everyone is talking about...
0: I'm on my right, okay? Oh, no. The funniest comedy of the year. I said that. Probably shouldn't be digging in your Bad Santa is achingly funny. Got some lip on you mentioned? These lips were on your wife. Astonishingly irreverent. Last night. The man's a sexual game. It's a bussy film for anyone who loves to laugh. Love large women. Can't do squat about that, Jack. Bad Santa. Hit it on. Now play.
1: So this is Bad Santa, Billy Bob Thorpe. Mm -hmm. um you know it it really is the modern equivalent to kind of where the similarities uh end for between it's a wonderful life and bad santa i would say tommy so this has been hyped up for you you've been hyping this up for two years Mm -hmm. what were your main takeaways after finally diving deep into the bad Santa.
0: So this is a movie that like I uh felt like got played on Comedy Central like all the fucking time back in the day when we were in like fucking like elementary school and middle school. So I did catch like bits and pieces of this over the year, mostly like towards the end. Um and like stuff with a kid. I I expected this to be like some like laugh out loud comedy. Instead, this was just kind of like in some ways, just kind of psychologically like traumatizing of a movie where he's just like screaming at this fucking kid, and the kid is just like Taking it so happy, happy go lucky and taking it, and just like it, it's just God, it's just like extremely dark. I was shocked to find out. Uh, we'll dive, dive into this a little bit deeper, but the Cohen brothers have actually like a big hand to play in this fucking movie.
1: Yeah, I saw they produced it, and I saw that they have uncredited screenwriting, uh, well, written by credits as well.
0: Yeah, essentially, like, uh, the Cohen brothers uh, approached the screenwriters, John uh, Requa and uh, Glenn Fakara. Basically, they're just like, hey, like, we have this idea for a movie we want you to write. It's about a bad Santa, you know? Uh, He drinks a beer and stuff, you know? You see, bad news bears make it like that, but Santa, bad news Santa, (laughs) or bad Santa. And that was essentially where the movie just took uh, shape from there. They uh, wanted to write it for James uh, Ganafiti, which I think would have been fucking hilarious if he was in the role.
1: (laughs) Um, I I don't know. I think. This Billy Bob Thornton was just born to play.
0: It, it was good too, but uh, you know, some other people are considered, uh, you know, they're recording Jack Nicholson at the time. That would have been uh fucking hilarious movie in its own right. You know, yeah. hey. he would have hated <laughs> everything about it. He wouldn't have given a yeah. fuck
1: about that production.
0: Uh, and then the last two were uh, Robert De Niro. Uh, he was going to do it, apparently. And then uh, they heard yeah. Sean Penwoods considered and Nicolas Cage. I think Robert De Niro would have been fun, but uh, oh, I don't know, maybe a little too dark. Um, apparently, you know, this is a whole article I read in like uh Times Square, uh, New York Times from 2016 when Bad News, uh, or Bad Santa 2 came out. Um, which forgot that movie existed,
1: yeah. That popped up after I finished it on Paramount, yeah. <laughs> and <I was laughs> it's like, like oh, uh, there's a sequel, I'm not watching that one, um, uh, but.
0: You know this movie apparently was like you know shopped around town everyone passed on it because uh people just thought it was like uh, awful disgusting and this is a quote from Weinstein. this article came out a year before the whole Weinstein scandal broke where uh Weinstein said it was the most foul, disgusting misogynistic anti-Christmas anti-children thing we could imagine. That's exactly why I bought it. You read that quote today. it's like, holy shit. But yeah, this movie is just very dark. I mean, I remember I saw a Reddit post uh, earlier this week talking about how when you watch the director's cut of this movie, which uh, I think we both watched the theatrical cut. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, if you watch the director's cut of this movie, it takes the shape of just like a very dark and depressing and just like, you know, what you're talking about in the first 20 minutes, uh, apparently the director's cut is just extended, where it just becomes just Like this is not funny at all this is just like sad
1: (laughs) yeah so if if you've never seen bad santa um willie t soak uh it's played by billy bob thornton um they are professional thieves uh, and they dress up as mall santas and elf um marcus is a little person if you will they actually debate the movie what they like to be called uh so you know this movie was progressive for actually sparking that debate across the united states Mm -hmm. don't fact check me on that one i'm quite literally making it up and (laughs) and they basically on christmas eve every year they just rob the the vault at a at a mall but willie uh is not super committed to his job and he has some uh narration it's not too, an error. I was worried at the beginning where there was going to be, if there was going to be a ton of narration, but by around the 10 minute mark, the narration was gone. Um, where Willie's vulgarity uh, towards the children, his excessive drinking uh, impedes on his ability to crack the, crack the safe, mm-hmm. Um and willie's like now this year i'm gonna get sober i'm gonna go to uh miami i'm gonna buy a bar and then like this is where the jo- the humor is like dark and clever like it cuts to miami a few months later and you see willie behind a tiki bar on the beach you're just like well hmm. we're 10 minutes in i'm gonna assume he doesn't own the bar yet and of course he gets chased out by brian callan uh because <laughs> he was just stealing his own drink from the bar Um, and then Marcus calls and he has to go to, to Arizona this year to, to rob the the mall. And this is the hardest one of the year for him because he's getting closer and closer to his own personal finish line of, of ending it all. But bumping into the kid, uh, this fat little boy who, uh, doesn't really have any friends and just taking advantage of his living situation because his mother I think was dead that was what it was implied and his, his dad was in prison yeah and living with his senile grandmother. Uh, he basically just took advantage of this kid who thought he was Santa uh, and that's kind of the the main gist of the the movie uh, from there and his deterioration at work. Uh, you know we see him pee his pants as Santa.
0: One one thing I find hilarious uh, when you look up the trivia for this movie <laughs> is the uh, the first thing in the trivia is Louis saying Billy Bob Thornton was actually intoxicated during some uh, uh, scenes in this movie, <laughs> like yeah, he, he, when he when he was filming. It's like yeah, you can see it. Especially he says especially the scene where uh, he walks in and he like passes out um, and like falls over all the shit oh. and stuff like that. Billy Bob Thornton was like yeah, like I was legitimately fucking hammered, and we're like yeah, it, it fucking shows. <laughs> And that that scene in particular was it this movie the line sometimes I feel like that it doesn't always handle well of being genuinely fucking hilarious and, and like you know what like you said Bad News Bears way where it's like oh my god look at this train wreck and other ways where it's just like I'm legitimately concerned very well in the situation right now.
1: Yeah it, it, everything <laughs> it's like it's an uncomfortable situation mm-hmm. but it's so realistic that you're just like oh my god like like how is this guy even holding a job like he uh takes in the he takes a woman into the plus-sized uh uh changing room and he takes a woman in there and gets caught by the manager who was played by um,
0: john ritter his last movie his
1: last movie and i think he might have died during the production of it because like He's in the first twenty minutes of the movie, and then he's kind of gone for the rest of the movie. And then Bernie Mac kind of takes the centerfold there as the security chief. Um,
0: he died on um, September of two thousand three, so like two months before this movie came out.
1: Two months before this movie came out, yeah. I mean, I thought he was great as like kind of like the stuck up,
0: uh, the, the kind of yeah manager, uh, um, the guy who's just like kind of a little bit of a cock. <laughs> I mean, no matter what to explain it. <laughs>
1: yeah just a little bit of the the corporate world is beating him down and and yeah. he's at the point that he just it's like the scene in horrible bosses where he's like uh what haircut do you like um i'm looking for the haircut where i have a prick of a boss um i have two ungrateful kids at home and a wife who uh who hates me and i'm just well, counting down the days until i put a shotgun on his mouth and then it like cuts to the guy behind him and he's like this is the cut you're thinking of right here. Uh mm. that that scene, um, which I believe is from Horrible Bosses, but uh back me up if I'm wrong there. And uh yeah, I I don't the, the first 20 minutes of this movie is legitimately depressing. Mm. Um and yeah, and, and,
0: and uh, Lily, I'm reading right now that like the director's cut just keeps up that way. That's their intentional vision. Apparently, like uh, the Weinstein's like told um The director, um, his name is Terry uh, Ziegawoff. They told him like, yeah, you gotta line up the movie a little bit, and he pretty much refused. So, Todd Phillips came in, the guy from uh, the Hangover, old school Joker. Joker. He ended up shooting some like uh new scenes, like the scene where like they're boxing and like teaching the kid how to box. That was all Todd Phillips. That was like you know a little lighthearted like you know comedic scene, which I think worked, but i feel like the movie is yeah like i said torn between the way of like wanting to go full dark comedy and being like oh let's be broad and i feel like that's like the weinstein influence right there of them just meddling with the film a little bit i
1: i I don't think it has like i don't think the movie has a tonal problem i think it has like um i think it just has a protagonist problem um like, there's nothing redeemable about Willie, and it it's really hard to get invested and root for him. Like, he's a thief. Okay, mm. like, I can live with, like, you know, an, antagon- an antagonist protagonist, right? Like, a, a bad dude rock. But then he just, like, there's just nothing redeemable about him. He's a drunk who just takes advantage of people. He just lives day to day. He screams
0: at the kid. I mean, yeah, like, you know, there's no, like, real heart of gold with him, even in the movie. I mean, like, it's just, like, I guess he eventually ends up with the kid and stuff like that, and like teach the kid like how to stuff, how to how fight, to, how to
1: stand up for himself from the the bullies.
0: Yeah, and he has somewhat of an earned family, but you know, this is a movie that in some ways was kind of ruined by its sequel because the sequel immediately opens apparently with Billy really Bob Thornton being like, "There's no such thing as a happy ending," and he's back to like square one. It's the well, sequel problem. What
1: are you, you going to do for a sequel of Bad Santa fifteen years later?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's just essentially just like this character is just a depressing one (laughs) it never fucking happens
1: and and he has his relationship with uh lauren graham's character who's the bartender who i guess has a thing for men in santa claus but outside of that i like she it just felt like they needed to have some kind of like love interest for him in the story because she doesn't really do anything the movie.
0: <laughs> that being be said i did think she was fucking hilarious in the movie i thought she was time.
1: funny i just like her character just kind of didn't serve any purpose and yeah again it's it's this likability thing where i'm just like what does she see in this guy other than he has a santa hat like you can find a guy that'll wear a santa hat for you you know yeah,
0: yeah. um so how, how, what do you think about Tony Cox? I think that he, I mean, this obviously wasn't his first movie. I mean, he was in Beetlejuice and like, you know, he's been definitely around the scenes like of Willow. He was like an Ewok back in they would Return of the Jedi.
1: Yeah, uh, you cut out there a little bit, but I, I thought he was, I thought he was great. I actually thought all the performances were really good. Um, like it's a well-acted movie. It's a well-performed movie. I really didn't have any issues with that side of things. Again, it was just like the 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 tone of the movie. Um, in terms of like it being a, a Christmas movie, um and I'll quote my favorite Christmas movie or source Mike, you know, you can have a depressing uh action there, uh, you know, something about depression and battling that and do it really well and tastefully. And this just It just like misses the mark you know like where you you know George Bailey's character you find all these reasons to root for him and and invest in him and then uh you know kind of see why he spirals out of control uh and then with um but yeah I thought Joseph Anthony Cox was was good like again it wasn't a performance thing like I you know I really enjoyed the kid um mm-hmm. i i thought he uh i thought he uh brett kelly um you know he has he doesn't have a ton of work outside of this i saw he does come back for bad santa two at some point they,
0: apparently one of the jokes in the movie is like oh like you're so weird as a fucking kid, he's like a virgin or something It's like okay
1: um yeah again it's like oh you're a virgin it's like well he's I, like seven
0: yeah i i do i do think tony cox just um has just amazing one-liners in this movie he's the comedic energy i mean he's
1: the he's the heart of the movie
0: yeah um you know apparently the original version of this movie was gonna be developed with uh danny woodburn he was the guy from seinfeld that was like the elf of kramer in that episode where kramer yeah. the but communism which you could have seen a little good fit here but i feel like tony cox just makes this movie a little funnier because he definitely outlived some fucking lines before like you know he out the line of um you know billy bob thornton be like hey you probably shouldn't be scratching your ass right there man
1: (laughs) yeah yeah like there's there's like little lines all over the movie that are like that um and and there's moments where i like legitimately laughed um like you know uh willie in his drunken stupor takes the kids advent calendar wakes up the next day um realizes it and like repairs it but like puts like a candy corn and like a tab of Asper of Advil behind like each of the days, and I'm like, that's like, that's that's like clever, That that's like the funny things right there. Um, I just again really didn't care for this movie at all. Like, hey, <laughs> you're just like, oh god, this was this your
0: first watch, too? Yeah, yeah. So I expected because it was on Comedy Central so much, I expected this to be much more in the vein of like billy bob thornton's bad news bears remake of just of yeah. which i remember being like very very comedic and like very like you know funny and um like- hilarious and and i didn't expect a se- essentially a tragic comedy um in a way of like you know this character can't get uh, behind himself because like even the end of the movie i mean like you know it's not shocking the sequel picks up like 15 years later and he's like yeah i fucked that all up <laughs> you know yeah just, you you don't get the sense that this character like really is fully redeemed by the end of the movie. No, I, at he, least I felt his
1: his redemption quote unquote is misremembering which color elephant the kid wants. Um, and then as the police show up during the bank robbie and and Tony Cox uh, Marcus turning on him and about to kill him, uh, being like, "No, I got to make sure the kid gets gets his elephant," and running after it, um, mm. r- running out the door. I mean, this movie clearly was. Popular, like it had a twenty three million dollar budget, it made seventy six point five million. Like that's pretty s- decent sized budget. It did there. have good
0: stars. I mean, like we did. Uh, Bernie Mac, I thought was good in this movie, especially that one scene of him just dressing down the shoplifting kid. Oh, like that, that was that, that was, fun, that, was the, yeah. that was the scene of just like let's just let Bernie Mac cook for five minutes. Yeah, you know, like or <laughs> or when he's
1: getting he, he's getting a pedicure at the thing, and yeah. he's like, no, 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 put the put the. No, don't don't skimp out on me here i can take it like you can rub into it like i can take it i'm a man here like or yeah. when he goes to the jail to visit the dad in prison being like do you have any house guests um and they're like
0: he's like uh what
1: <laughs> yeah and then he's like cool got it walks away but then he comes to them being like i i got you guys pegged you guys are robbers i want half and it's like that comedic back and forth like half half, half. That, and the thing the was, next- that was
0: a good scene but like uh, like Almost immediately after, he gets gets fucking written out of the movie. I mean, like, they should have let it play a little bit longer, let it breathe a little bit more.
1: Yeah, Marcus kills him because Marcus, I guess, decides that he's, like, he's just done with this crew of people um, and wants to keep the whole score for himself. And, you know, I I get why you'd want to take out Willie because he's just so unreliable. Um, But bernie max character it just felt like they could have done something more clever with him in the chase sequence or having him like flip on them and alarm the police you know what i mean like after he gets the money like i, I felt like there's something more clever they could have done with him instead of like marcus stalking him stopping him for a jump on the car and then just having his wife ram him with the car and then then we just find out from a line of audio he's dead
0: yeah, it was it was a very quick jump cut. I mean, like it should have had something just more comedic. I mean, I, the, the problem sometimes with dark comedy is is just like you can't really. Some people just don't straddle the line really well, and like this movie felt like it was kind of neutered in a way that wanted to go a little bit harder but couldn't. So maybe maybe that like could be something directors cut. But I mean, like you know, with like movies like you know Death to Smoochie or something like that, where um yeah. this, this this definitely reminded me of Death to Smoochie in some ways. In terms of like trying to get that by but i feel like that was a little bit more successful in straddling the line of a dark comedy
1: yeah death to smoochie like i felt it's like a perfect dark comedy where this mm. one it just bummed me out after and i wanted to take like a cold <laughs> shower after yeah. and like let the water run down on my face mm. i am a star i'm a star i'm a star i'm a star I am a big bright shining star so tell me who is the star of this movie um you know who gave the best performance like I, you know I, <laughs> can I, we I,
0: even call billy bob thornton a performance because i feel like it was method acting like hey i'm just gonna get trashed on set and like we'll just film what happens
1: like almost like a jackass type of way <laughs> yeah kind of like a yeah almost in a jackass kind of <laughs> way um yeah i I I think it's Billy Bob Thornton. We get most of his perspective, but I'd say it's kind of a bit of an ensemble. Like everybody kind of carries their weight here um, Mm -hmm. in terms of performance. And then, you know, for a kid, uh, Brett Kelly, I think, captures the heart and soul of this movie or whatever (laughs) there can be of it. If If you didn't have the kid, this movie would be almost unwatchable. Yeah, I mean, like, he's, like,
0: pretty much the fact that he's just so innocent and, like, so willing to take all the stuff. Like, you do legitimately feel bad, when, like, Big Bob Thornton is fucking screaming at him, but because the kid's not breaking down and crying or anything like that, it doesn't become uncomfortable. Like, I've seen it in some horror movies over the years. Yeah. Um There's a version of this where apparently they wanted, like, the kid from Two and a Half Men and that no that kid's like too fucking sassy and just been like that would yeah. be sad <laughs> the,
1: he's this kid plays the brick wall of just like there's clear like all of his lines there's just like a close-up of him and you know there's just somebody behind the camera with like his dialogue written on giant uh yeah giant cardboard uh slides just like having it there like yeah like you just know that's how they filmed him um and I, I think it works for the the movie, but I, I probably say it's Billy Bob Thornton. who gives a good performance. It's just not this movie's just not my cup of tea. <laughs> what about you, Tommy? Who's you, who who's your favorite Uh
0: I I would definitely say it's probably Billy Bob Thornton. The only other contender would be Tony Cox. I think in terms of comedic, Tony Cox, I feel like carries it. I mean, I, I just think that him just dressing down Billy Bob Thornton all the time. And just the fact that he's just like, you know, giving giving him fucking shit while he's just drunk as fuck, just like ad libbing shit. He had, I think, the most memorable comedic presence in this movie. Um, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: I agree. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Okay.
1: All right, Tommy. <laughs> Would Bad Santa maybe the most depressing movie we've covered on this podcast? Uh, work as a Muppet adaptation.
0: I feel like they would have to make it like a very comedic adaptation. It'd be more so like I mean
1: more slapsticky.
0: For, for, first of all, first of all, uh, I feel like it would be like who would play the Billy Bob Thornton role? it probably well, you'd be well, you keep Billy
1: Bob Thornton and never. I was gonna say him Rolf
0: him. the dog would be fucking Billy Bob Thornton. It's just Rolf the dog just fucked up and just falling down all over the place. That would be amazing, right there. Uh or you have Fozzie uh in, in the role.
1: <laughs> yeah, you could do one of the two. Um, but yeah, I would not make this recommendation to the Walt Disney company. <laughs> um so Tommy, review time, give me a score out of five.
0: I think this is a dark comedy that um was kind of torn between like the two tones, uh in a way. I feel like it wanted to be very darker and just like just almost like a character study and like a taxi driver kind of way or something like that and in another way i feel like this movie just wanted to be like a s- stupid outrageous comedy and those two tones clash without and it up been a jarring film that isn't really hilarious and is isn't a great drama so i'm gonna go 2.5 out of 5 um there's some comedic moments some good uh, dramatic moments but like seeing just billy Bob thornton screaming at a kid isn't always the most hilarious thing, especially when the kid's just a brick wall and that just makes it feel more uncomfortable because it's like, oh, this kid's just getting abused and getting shut down.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to give this a 1.5 out of 5. I really did not like this movie going through and by the time it got okay, um, you know, where the edits kind of came in to try to like lighten it up, uh, it felt like it, I was already disinterested in uninvested in willy as a character um like there's humorous moments in it um and it's like it's cool that there's just like an anti-christmas christmas Christmas movie if you will Mm. in terms of like the themes and spirits of, of like holidays movies this does not contain any of them but it's very depressing and it's not a good enough drama to to carry that kind of um depression like that that depressed feeling like i think of something like her which is like that's a that's a fairly sad film as a drama and i feel like it you know just encapsulates sadness in a different light um i also just have a thing in movies where i really don't love when the character's just a drunk and that's just the <laughs> excuse for bad behavior all the time like i just i think it's lazy writing um damn it and- to become against the drunk the
0: drunk asshole uh genre
1: (laughs) i just i I never want to watch this movie again uh so that's that's bad santa for me and tommy uh tommy emphasis on the bad (laughs) emphasis on the bad uh any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode um
0: well thank you guys so much for listening um you can follow us on social media that's at cnipod on uh twitter instagram tiktok and occasionally the threads in case you got much of that in. um and yeah leave us a five-star review apple spotify wherever you get your podcast it really helps out the show helps us grow out and uh next week we're diving into the world of tim burton again i think the third or fourth time in, on this uh this year alone
1: you, you love tim burton man.
0: <laughs> yeah i do i do uh, and we're covering uh the nightmare before christmas a movie he did not direct um but you know stick around for that they'll be coming out uh i believe to try eve. to do a christmas
1: eve drop for it just for your road travel so you have something fun to listen to in the car as you sit in traffic uh to get to your holiday festivities um so thank you all so much for listening we will see you next week